Welcome to Green City, a podcast focused on sustainability. I'm your host, Lene Marty Henson. We invite you to listen in on our conversations for positive change. It is my hope that we can all come away with something that resonates within our own lives and inspires us to action within our own communities. Let's start where we are and find ways to work together to create more connected, more vibrant, and indeed more sustainable communities. Join us each week as we learn from each other. This morning, we continue our Earth Month series focused on climate change, facts, and solutions. It has been fun to have Olivia Hicks as my co-host for this series, and this is our third show. As always, we aim to give you the facts about where we are with climate the climate crisis, but also leave you with hope and encourage you to act, to make changes within your own life to collectively work towards solutions. Our guest today is Dr. William Gutowski, Professor of Meteorology in the Department of Geological and Atmospheric Science at Iowa State University. Dr. Gutowski received his BS from Yale in Astronomy and Physics his PhD from MIT in meteorology, and was a lead author on the 2021 report coming out later this year for the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. So thanks for joining us this morning, Bill. Uh, Thank you, Lene and Olivia for inviting me on. I I appreciate the opportunity to talk about what I know to a broader audience. And I, I really appreciate the efforts that you folks are making to try to communicate climate change to everybody. Very good. And we're going to let you start with just giving a brief background on how you made your way to Iowa State. Well, it it started maybe when I was a kid and I was very fortunate to be on a cross country trip. Um, And I remember going through Iowa and thinking, cheapers, this is a real, real pretty state. And little did I know that down the road, I would end up living here for well over about 30 years or so. (laughs) But uh, back after I finished my PhD, my wife and I were living in the Boston area. The city seemed too too crowded for us, and we wanted to move farther west. We had both grown up in more rural western Massachusetts, and I like to joke that I kind of overshot the mark a little bit. Uh, <laughs> ended up in Iowa, but I've, I've come to really appreciate uh, the, the wonderful landscape that Iowa has, reminding me of what I saw as a kid, and uh, just the great sense of community that I've encountered here. It, 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 it really is a uh, uh, a wonderful place to, to be living, wonderful place to be raising a child, although my daughter disagreed. She wanted to live in a city, but <laughs> that's the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to jump right in with some some questions, and Olivia, I'll let you start. Yes. Um, so to start, um, in your view, what are the key contributors to climate change? Well, first and foremost, it's the increase in greenhouse gases, which is primarily carbon dioxide, but there's also, uh, you may have heard about methane and nitrous oxide being contributors as well. Carbon dioxide in many ways is the biggest concern because it lasts the longest in the atmosphere. Methane will basically get depleted from the atmosphere over a few years. Nitrous oxide maybe over the course of, of uh, several decades or so, but carbon dioxide will reside in the atmosphere for a few hundred years. And so once it gets up there, it can stick around for a long time unless we took some active measures to remove it. So that is the, the biggest uh, concern. And then, of course, you'd say, well, what emits 
the greenhouse gases and it's especially things like transportation and power generation that that rely heavily on on fossil fuels and that that the the burning either way just really adds substantially to what we have in the atmosphere right so you have done a lot of research on the role of atmospheric dynamics in climate and what are some of the in layman's terms for for me and others um what are some of the key things that you have found that you would like to share? Yeah, well, I, I would say that, um, you know, first of all, that atmospheric dynamics or atmospheric climate dynamics refers to the evolution of the whole climate system. But when you want to start to drill down more deeply, it refers to just the, the nature of the, of the circulation of the atmosphere and how the atmosphere moves heat and moisture around. Moisture is a key part of all of this. Uh, as well as the heat that gets moved around. And it plays a role in developing storms and how those storms may change as climate changes, how storms may intensify, um, how the seasons will change, how you know, we know that the growing season has gotten longer, which seems nice. But on the other hand, we also know that warmer winters mean that agricultural pests are more likely to winter over, not as far south as they used to. So the, the, this is all tied in with the circulation and how it moves the air around and moves the heat. And again, the moisture, which is very a very important part of all this as we can talk about further. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you just mentioned impacts on agriculture. So in modeling future changes in our climate, what are the impacts on not only agriculture, but also water and human health? Sure. Well, you know, first and foremost, of course, temperatures are going to be going up. But as I said, moisture is a part of this. When an atmosphere is warmer, you can have more moisture present. And so one outcome of that is that you can end up having more water falling out, especially as rain. So we can expect that there will be an intensification of rainfall, which we've seen some of already. That can lead to erosion. It can lead to flooding. Uh, this can have, obviously, the erosion can have big impacts on agricultural land. Um, the higher humidity in itself can lead to heat stress. It increases heat stress by making the air warmer. And it also means that the air won't cool off as much at night. So it really perpetuates those high temperatures experienced during the day. Um, and then the, the higher humidity also promotes the development of other types of agricultural problems like development of mold on plants. So there are a number of factors that are tied in with, with higher humidity, higher temperatures. Um, and you know, sometimes it may seem like it's nice. You know, the winters uh, may not be as cold. I know that we have not had as many severe cold snaps in recent decades as we used to have, um, even though that one in February might have seemed really, really bitter. Um, but on the other hand, there are other changes that come along, as I've already talked about, that really end up having a substantial impact on things like agriculture, on human health. And, you know, they can end up spilling over into other aspects of our economy. If you think about things like construction, which tends to go on in the summer, well, if we start to have very hot weather, that's going to limit the amount of work that can be done outside. Uh, so there are other spillover effects that can occur as well as the climate changes away from something that we're used to living with. You know, you could argue that, that we had developed our economy and our human health systems and things like that to be optimized for the climate we are used to. And then as the climate changes, well, we're no longer really set up to respond as well to that. We have to make changes. And some, sometimes uh, the, the changes could be pretty substantial. Again, strong flooding, 
strong uh, heat stress events that would occur in the future. And those will stress our systems as we've already seen for th from things like major heat waves that have hit urban areas in recent decades. And that's one thing that I know in the Midwest, and you work in, in other countries around the world collaboratively with, with other scientists. Um, but in the Midwest, you hear farmers talk about the fact that we used to have, I mean, rain is never predictable. Weather is always a variable when it comes to farming. But now the the rain events are, are condensed in a way. I mean, you'll have longer stretches, right, between rain. And then when it does come, it's like really hard. And that's problematic, right? Yes. Yes. There, the, you, you put it a, a, in a really good way, talking about rain events being condensed. Um, you know, it seems almost contradictory that we could actually end up uh, in the future having more drought and more flooding. Uh, because as you said, uh, we the, the tendency is to have longer time periods between rainfall events. And then when it does rain, bang, you get this, this heavy downpour, especially in the summertime. So farmers would have to contend with uh, a wider range of, of possible extremes uh, as going forward. And you mentioned other parts of the world. I know Farmers in Iowa pay attention to agricultural markets around the world. And so changes that occur in other parts of the world, South Africa, Brazil, um, have an impact on what's going on with agriculture here because it affects the, the, the commodity prices and what farmers can fetch for uh, what they produce. And then you also mentioned, uh, you know, I've, I've done some work with people in the Arctic. The Arctic is warming faster than any other part of the planet. This has substantial implications for things like ecosystems in the Arctic, which have spillover effects again in terms of how the ocean changes and how the ocean is changing around the world, really. Uh, the ocean is one of the foundations of our food chain. And so if we start to change the ocean, then we are potentially affecting food sources for many, many people around the world. Yeah. And as someone who's done modeling, have you worked with other scientists in the Arctic on some of the modeling and how is it is it as you predicted or are things accelerating or I mean how how is your modeling panning out I guess yeah yeah I have worked with with uh, scientists um, who are heavily focused on the Arctic and you know one of the things that we've already seen in the record is that Arctic sea ice is decreasing and it's 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 generally not spreading growing spreading out as far in the winter and shrinking more in the summer and it's also getting thinner because there's more new ice that has to be uh, produced every year and so it's not as thick and so um, we've seen that in our modeling I think what's a big uncertainty is people talk about uh, the time when we might get to what is effectively an ice-free summer it's not quite clear yet what when that might be. Um, there are indications that it, by mid-century, we could achieve that in the summer. Some people think we might even achieve it even sooner than that. I, I achieve makes it sound like it's this goal, but it's not really yeah. a goal. Yeah. I, I know people talk about having shipping go through the Arctic, which I suppose could be attractive, but that could also then end up disrupting the ecosystems there uh, if it's not done in a really careful, controlled uh, manner. Right. And isn't one of the concerns too, I mean, as the, the um, and I'm not going to use the right word, but the tundra or the, the permafrost melts, 
a lot of those gases are being released that have been trapped for a long, long time, and that's a contributor as well, right? Uh, yes, there is methane in particular that is is trapped in the ground. Um, and yes, uh, people have already seen that you can find certain lakes or ponds where there's little there's bubbles of methane coming up. And there is a there is a concern that you could end up getting kind of a, a methane burp, if you will. I mean, a very rapid increase of methane emissions into the atmosphere, which could end up amplifying the change yet further. Um, not to mention all the changes going on with with Arctic ecosystems that would affect wildlife there. But yes, that one specific aspect uh, could be quite critical. Um, it's uh, it's still early days, I think, to know exactly what might happen. But clearly, the less we can keep the Arctic from warming up, the better off we are in terms of not having to face that potential problem. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we've been dealing with the, the uh, one of the questions we were gonna ask is, with all of your knowledge, what is there anything that keeps you up at night? And then we're gonna move on to the hope and the solutions part of this interview. <laughs> but. Um, I guess what might keep me up at night sometimes is when I see that, that uh, governments and people are, are really not recognizing that this is a problem and not doing what's needed to be done because we're at a critical point now where we really have to start making uh, changes that promote reduced emissions of greenhouse gases. And, and you know, people talk about changes in lifestyle. Well, I don't think it has to be something that, that you know, dramatically reduces or diminishes what we can do. It's, it's a matter of recognizing just what is the source of the problem, which is the emissions of greenhouse gases and finding other ways to get around that. So uh, yeah, it keeps me awake or, you know, and, and starts to anger me at times um, when I hear people say things that I just think are just not recognizing the science and there's a lot of wishful thinking or denial of, 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 of the science um, or, you know, repeating things that come out in the blogosphere that, that are just, just pure nonsense. On the other hand, I do have a lot of hope. I mean, I think that there are opportunities that we have in front of us. I, I try not to sound discouraging. I think there are ways that we can move forward. Very encouraging news here in Iowa is that wind energy, which is not perfect, but wind energy has grown substantially, far rap more rapidly than I had expected it ever would, to where now, if you take the amount of electricity that was produced by wind over the past year, and divide that by the amount of electricity we consume, you know, that ratio is, is over 50%. And to me, that is absolutely astounding. Now, the wind energy goes into the grid, so it doesn't all stay in Iowa, that electricity. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, the fact that we are making such progress like that, the fact that there is development of solar energy in places is, um, is, is, is really, really vital and important. Um, and I see that, Coal has become economically uh, unviable compared to solar and wind. Natural gas is still in the same realm. Natural gas is a little bit better than burning coal, and but hopefully we'll be able to start to phase that out too. So, a lot of lot of opportunities here, and things that clearly don't necessarily mean that we have to dramatically restrict or reduce our lifestyle. It just means we have to adjust, and and I to me. Personally, I feel good about that when things like that happen because I feel like I'm actually living in harmony with the world that I'm part of rather than just simply imposing myself on it. 
And by doing that, I feel like I'm leaving the, uh, a better world for, you know, for, for my daughter and for her children and uh, everybody else, you know, that, that the, the succeeding generations will actually benefit from what we can leave as our legacy. Right. Well, and you mentioned earlier off air about the statistic, the latest poll of farmers in Iowa, too. Yes. Um, uh, there's a fellow at Iowa State, J.R. Buckle, who does uh, the survey of farmers on a number of different uh, topics, I think every year or every other year. And in his most recent poll, over 50% of the farmers uh, said, yes, climate change is happening and humans are making it happen. And to me, that is an astounding turnaround. Um, I think from what I heard over the years, farmers were, because they're out in the field all the time, they were recognizing that the, the weather and climate was changing, but they were reluctant to say that humans had a role in it. And I think part of that is because unfortunately, farmers get beat up all the time and on, you know, people's on all sorts of environmental issues. And these days, uh, I don't know if this has played a role in the changing of their, their thinking, but these days people are recognizing that farmers can actually be part of the solution through carbon removal from the atmosphere, through changes in farming practices. And so that is a, a huge step. Um, we, 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 we need farmers to be allies with us and all this. We, we need the whole community, of course. Um, but to do that, we need to be able to respond and be uh, understanding of their needs and concerns and their values. Because um, if we don't do that, then we're not going to make any headway. And I think what we see going on with the farmers is that there are clear opportunities to work in cooperation and for everybody to be part of the solution rather than start pointing fingers at problems or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. You already mentioned um, a little bit about the opportunities moving forward um, and in the future, but um, and with farmers and non-scientists, opportunities for people to get involved. What about everyday people um, who are listeners on the show um, who can get involved and how can they get involved? Yeah, well, I think, you know, first and foremost, um, obviously, it's good if people pay careful attention to how they use energy. Um, you know, do, do you always need to leave all those lights on or whatever? Does, does the heat need to be up quite as high in, in, in the winter, especially at night when, I mean, I'll, for me personally, I like to turn the heat down at night when I go to sleep. <laughs> Although years ago, my daughter would complain that, that oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move to Hawaii when I grow up because you keep <laughs> it too cold. Um, things like that, you know, you might might be better to you know if, the, if you got a store nearby we don't all have that it, it might be better just to walk to the store rather than um drive um some simple things like that plus you get the benefit of the the walking exercise the other thing i think that's very important is to for people to really communicate uh frequently with their politicians at all levels uh local state national and say look climate change is a major concern try to back it up with facts if they can. But I think the main thing is just to say, I think climate change is, is very important and very real issue. And we need to do something about it because politicians understand that if they want to get reelected, they have to get votes. And mm -hmm. if their constituents are telling them, you've got to pay attention to climate change, well, then they're going to have to start looking into this and they're going to have to start thinking about ways that they can contribute to solutions. And it really takes everybody. Um, you know, it takes, takes government, it also takes the private sector working hand in hand with government. And I think, you know, this is this is where government can work with the private sector to try to affect appropriate changes. But 
they will not do it maybe with quite as much urgency unless all of us start telling them, as I try to do when I can, uh, starts telling them that, look, this is a big issue and we need to be facing up to it and doing something about it because I don't want to leave a mess for my child or my grandchildren to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. I know I have all my representative and legislators and senators kind of plugged into speed dial now or you know so i i can call them whenever i see there's an issue up for debate or whatever um good for you good yeah. for you <laughs> so so are there to kind of um start to wrap things up is there a book that you would recommend to again those of us who don't have the depth of now, oh, here we go. So what is the, Bill is showing it on Zoom so our listeners can't see. <laughs> right, I realize that and it's, it might be showing up backwards on your screen, but it's a book called All We Can Save, Truth, Courage and Solutions for the Climate Crisis. Um, and it's a collection of essays uh, by, by women and girls uh, about different perspectives on climate change, you know, not just the fact that climate is changing, but also all the different impact areas and how we can hmm. move forward. And I've only had time to just barely delve into it, but um, it just looks like a wonderful set of essays. It, it also means that someone can get the book and you don't have to sit down and feel like you've got to read through everything all at once because they are you know, essays that are three, four or five pages long. So a person can pick and choose their way through it in various ways. And I, I would strongly recommend it. I think it came out just last year, in fact. So it's it's uh, very recent. Um, okay. And I, I think from what I've seen, you know, it's got some great authors. It's got like Alice Walker contributed to it. Uh, uh, this woman, Catherine Hayhoe, whose name might have come, you might have come across. Um, somebody that I've actually worked with a bit over the years. Uh, she's got an essay in here. It's, it's just, um, I would strongly recommend it to everybody. Again, it, 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 it's a very straightforward read. You can read bits and pieces of it, hop around in it. And I think it's just great that, um, that you know, again, it's, it's essays by women and girls. And so I think it's, it's great that it's promoting uh, these voices in many ways, you know, as, as you probably know better than I do too often, uh, women's voices even now still get drowned out, much less girls. And so um, I think it's just terrific to have a book like this that really brings those voices forward and says, hey, wait a minute, we have important things to say too, and we need to make sure we're listening. Right. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So what words of wisdom or hope would you like to leave with our listeners today, Bill? Um, I, I think that we don't have to feel discouraged. I think that there are opportunities. Again, the what I mentioned about wind energy growing much more rapidly than I had ever expected it would in terms of contributing to our electrical system. Um, I, I think there is great opportunity out there. There's great opportunity for, for, for people in business areas, um, entrepreneurs to come along and say, hey, look, I can see a way of, of providing some solutions here that will really help move things forward. So um, I think that that is, is very encouraging. I think you know, there's a number of things that the, the Biden administration has been proposing, including something that's that's close to close to me. They they want to have the National Science Foundation start to work even more with technology transfer in green areas. Um, so, the research that I'm doing and collaborating with other colleagues on could actually be move into actual practice sooner. So, I, I think there is 
really a lot we can do to provide a better future, again, for our children and succeeding generations. Um, and I think that is the, the, the opportunity we have in front of us to tend to our garden uh, a lot better and really leave a world where we have a, a great legacy that they can look back on and say, yeah, okay, they, 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 they were part of a problem that was starting to emerge, but then they, they grabbed the bull by the horns. I'm mixing all sorts of metaphors here <laughs> um, and, and actually did something about it and set us up to where we can move forward and the whole world can move forward in a way that, that benefits everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Olivia, what are your final words of wisdom? Sure. Um, I would say, I think often when we talk about climate change um, and the future, we talk about preserving the earth for this future generation. Um, and we speak about, you know, preventing this dystopian like future. That's um, almost like a horror film. And I would advise people to remember that there are steps to take now um, and there are people right now that are personally impacted by the effects of climate change um, who don't have the resources to shield them from the harmful reality of current day climate change effects. Um, even if you aren't seeing it, it's happening around the globe um, today. Um, so yeah, that would be my final words of wisdom. Not very hopeful, but... <laughs> oh, that that's wonderful. I mean, this whole issue of environmental justice is rolled into what you were just saying. And yes, I think we as a community need to be mindful of that in so many ways. That that's a, an excellent point to make. Yes. And and it's our work to make sure that we can do our part. So Olivia does get to and her kids get to you know inherit <laughs> something better. So we have a lot yeah. of work to do, but and it takes all of us, it you know, does. that that old phrase that takes a village was never more appropriate than in, in this, because we, we are all part of it. And we are all in different ways contributing to the solution. Right, right. Well, thank you, Bill, for sharing your insight and your your experience and your expertise and with us today. It's always great to have you on. Thanks for all that you continue to do. Well, thank you for inviting me. And I again, thank to you two for for all your efforts to really make sure that the broader community gets uh you know connected up with these issues and and develops a, a good understanding um i you know again it takes all of us to make this work so i really appreciate your efforts too yeah well thank you and for those of you listening remember if you don't catch the show on kfmg friday morning at nine you can go to yourgreenportal.com and all the podcasts and blogs are there that correspond to the show. Tune in next week as we continue to take a close look at climate change during Earth Month. And until then, stay healthy, stay engaged, and thanks for listening. We truly are grateful. That's all for this edition of Green City. I'm Lene Marty Henson, and I hope you continue to listen in on these conversations focused on the broad realm of sustainability. I truly believe that we go further faster when we come together to have real dialogue, inspiring us toward practical solutions. Let's continue to learn from each other how best to nurture this precious planet we call home. Thanks for listening. We are truly grateful.